Hey everyone, welcome to the Crypto Unstacked podcast, where we cover everything from crypto trading and investing to NFTs, decentralized finance, and so much more. The Crypto Unstacked podcast is meant for informational purposes only and should not be considered financial or investment advice. Nothing expressed in this podcast should be construed as a solicitation, recommendation, endorsement, or offer to buy or sell financial products. Hi, Flexers. This is Kenny Shi with the Life on Leverage, LOL. Episode number one, I have my, my guest, Doug Polk, the man himself, the man, the legend. Welcome, Doug. Thank you. It's good to be here. Glad to hop on. Very excited to, to have you here. Let me give uh, the people who don't know you a short bio on yourself. Doug, you're arguably one of the, the best poker players of your generation, especially at, at Heads Up No Limit Cash Games. You, uh, you fleeced all of your competition where uh, no one else wanted to, to play with you. Then certainly from there, you've you know, entered a lot of different ventures, such as uh, starting a top online poker school, Upswing Poker, as well as starting your YouTube channels, where across your channels, you have over 600,000 plus subscribers and uh, definitely one of the top key influencers within poker circles. Now, within crypto, now you've you, you know, kind of crossed that bridge from between poker and crypto. And now I'm really excited to announce as well that you are the, the first global brand ambassador for CoinFlex. I am. I'm the first uh, global lead ambassador for CoinFlex. Happy to help promote the, the CoinFlex cause. And really, when I looked at CoinFlex and I looked at the team, first off, I only want to join, I only, would only want to work with people that I feel like I get along well with and are good people. And clearly, based on just the pure number of chips that you have in front of you, I think that you <laughs> obviously cleared that bar. So I love the team at CoinFlex. I think it's a lot of good guys. Good, Everyone had great things to say. And then I also think a lot of the products that CoinFlex is working on are, are really interesting products that can create a lot of value for, for users. And, and I guess that's really what it's all about, is creating value for, for the end users. So I'm excited to join the team and promote the brand. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, we're, we're so excited as well, certainly to have someone of your caliber who's uh, you know, so incredibly smart, hardworking, and honest. And you know, you've never had any major corporate alignments as well. And it's just it's just so refreshing and, and, and nice to align with someone like yourself. And so we're, we're really proud. I'm excited as well. Should be a good one. Let me go through kind of the agenda uh, I plan for this call. I uh, definitely want to have a go through kind of your background, get to know you better as a person and certainly your path to becoming a professional poker player. This is something I could definitely resonate with. You know, I, I play poker for a living as well for um, six, seven years full time. Definitely not as good as you, but, you know, I grinded it out. And uh, I'm sure a lot of viewers would be interested to see, you know, uh, what's it like actually to live in Las Vegas for such a long time, you know, Sin City and uh, and certainly how maybe you know, your life now in, in Austin. Next, going to the path of uh, the ventures that you've kind of taken in terms of upswing poker and, and in your YouTube channels as, as a KOL. And then next, love to talk about your more recently your high profile challenge with Daniel Negreanu. Everyone uh, really loved in terms of you know that. And then next, your crypto journey. You know what, when, and why kind of you you're, you're in crypto. And uh, lastly, the the CoinFlex ambassadorship, right? Certainly. So love to just let's cover all of these topics and uh, this podcast. Sure. Yeah, that should take me you know a couple sentences at most. <laughs> cool. Awesome. So, um, Doug, early beginnings, background. Yeah, tell us about kind of um, where you're from and, and how you started. Sure. So, what interesting thing about me, most people have somewhere that they're kind of from. I, I feel like I, I 
don't have that because I've just moved around so much. People ask, what do my parents do? Were they in the military? No, we just enjoyed a good move. So my, my background, I was all over the place, mainly Southern California, a little bit outside Las Vegas in middle school, high school, Boulder City. I lived in North Carolina for a while, lived in Northern California afterwards. I, I've kind of lived all over the place, you know, mainly from the West Coast, U.S. My background in terms of my career, so I started playing poker when I was about 17, 18 years old. And poker came, it wasn't supernatural for me. I feel for a lot of people, poker, a lot of the good players in poker, they're just instantly crushers. I definitely, that was definitely not the case. I busted many $20 deposits before I finally got things kind of going out on the upward trajectory. And one thing that I learned as I started to play poker and get better and, and make money was that you really kind of have to find your spot that you excel at and focus on that. And so at first, I was full ring poker online. I would play 24 tables at once. I did a challenge at one point where I tried to make 400 buy-ins at 10 cent, 25 cent. So a $25 buy-in. I had to make 400 in a month. It was my first public thing I ever did. I failed. <laughs> but basically, I ended up breaking about even, even though I lost a bunch of side bets. But you know, I got some exposure and, and it, was a, it was a fun time. There's still some really embarrassing clips of me from back in the day that I hope don't serve us again anytime soon. Probably shouldn't be saying that in a podcast. But anyway, so basically my background has been, you know, started there. And then I, I really focus on heads up, no limit. For, for people that don't know what that is, it's one-on-one, no limit, Texas Hold'em. So basically there's no one else, just you and an opponent. And that form of poker is very intense. It's just you and them. So if you win, they lose. If they win, you lose. It's It gets emotional for people, but that was really where I had my my best success and how I first kind of ran up my bankroll. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that. Now, I mean, it's, I mean, for one, it's so incredibly hard, right, to to actually make it as a professional poker player. I, I, I you know, definitely could, uh, you know, resonate with that. Like me, myself, I I started my career, same thing, you know, uh, smaller stakes, grinding it up. And then ultimately, I played anywhere like 80 to 100 hours a week. I was doing, you know, I, I, I got the Supernova Elite. Oh, wow. I didn't. That's impressive, man. I played a lot. I mean, my daily schedule was I, I played 300 sit and goes a day. Anywhere in between six, sixty, hundred, two hundred dollars, and then uh, I played like a full MTT schedule, like the whole like fifty like tournaments, and I played cash games. And then the thing with me is I, you know, given I'm in Hong Kong, like the, the schedule is always um, like basically the, the the graveyard shift, right? It's tough, man. I saw. I mean, I I went from being like a really healthy person to like I mean, poker just like really annihilated that. <laughs> It's tough to find that balance with poker because one of the problems is that, especially as you guys start to get to higher stakes, it's less like this, the lower stakes that you play. But as you get to higher stakes, there are less game opportunities. And sometimes when certain players want to play, you kind of just got to play. And it doesn't really matter if that's at you know 10 o'clock at night or five in the morning or the middle of the day. It, it, you just kind of have to take those opportunities. So I remember this one time I was in Vancouver. I've actually lived in Vancouver for a couple of years. A great city. I, I love Vancouver. And I was debating going out to dinner or staying and playing poker and just waiting at my table. So I was like, yeah, I'll just go to dinner with my friends. And I came back and Tom Dwan had sat me at 200, 400, no limit. So the $40,000 buy-in. And getting Tom Dwan action was real hard to come by those days. And I felt so sad that I had gone out to dinner. So, <laughs> you know, it, it's tough with poker because your schedule gets pretty messed up. And, and it's hard not to beat yourself up when you miss out on those opportunities. But the reality is, you have to find a healthy balance. If if you're just on your computer twenty four seven, you're gonna go crazy. So you, you gotta you gotta strike that balance. Just to expand on that just a little bit. So that's kind of my background was online one on one poker. Then basically got to a point where there were no people left to play. 
I was the best player in that format. And so I moved on to playing other games. I played a lot of live tournaments. I played the World Series of Poker for several years. You know, I basically kind of branched down to other game types and I did pretty well in those as well. So, you know, I mean, I, I would say that my my focus has really been Texas Hold, No Limit Texas Hold'em kind of across all the different formats. You know, I, I know people love the juicy numbers and stuff. I'd say across my career, I probably won something like 15 million-ish from poker. I don't I don't know what the exact number would be, but, you know, it's something in that vicinity. So I would say it was a good career. I played poker for something like 10 years of my life. It was kind of my stepping stone to get into crypto and, and, and to find my way into all of the things I'm in today. So, yeah, I mean, I'm very thankful for, for my poker journey. You know, like kind of the way I always looked at it is there's a lot of players, poker players with, let's say, like a, they've made like a healthy six figures from poker, like where they, you know, they kind of grinded and built. And, and so I say there's a lot of poker players with they've made like 100K to a million, let's say healthy six figures. But there's very few like such as yourself that um, got to a point where you, you made several of millions playing, playing poker. It's so hard. I mean, it's, I, I definitely know. I could say I, my, I myself was part of the one percent where I, I survived and I, I saved money. And I, I made money from poker, but you're like top. You are like top one percent of one percent. Like, you know that part. I, I really admire, and I, and I know like how hard it is to um, to reach kind of the pinnacle that you got to. Well, if you play poker for a living, you, you understand what it's like. You've got so many people that are chopping away at you because realistically. In the poker ecosystem as a player, nobody cares if you lose. In fact, people want your money. The, the house is trying to get a small edge from you. Banks are nickel and diming you. Other players are trying to beat you. You've just got so many things going on where everyone's trying to get your money. And it's just you. So, you know, it's kind of you against the world in, in that perspective. And uh, poker can be really tough from that angle. I think the really important thing with poker is your goal is to really, you know, get good and rise in the stakes and not be stuck in this perpetual loop of playing small stakes to survive because the guys that end up in that loop, they, they, they really just don't make it out in ways that you'd want to make it out, right? At some point, they just can't afford to, to live anymore or they can't. I know we're getting, we're getting into the sad side of poker here. Yeah, we don't, we don't have to go down this road, but I, I do appreciate the, the compliments. No, for sure, for sure, for sure, brother. No, just um, kind of moving on. You lived in Las Vegas for 10 odd years. Yeah, I lived so I, I lived outside of Las Vegas in a place called Boulder City for it's a bit of a dump. I would not recommend anyone going to Boulder <laughs> City. I lived there for for a few years in middle school and high school. And then as an adult, I moved back. Well, I first moved back to Boulder City, moved in with my grandma, which by the way, that's how every success story starts. You move in with your grandparents. That's the, that's the real that's how the winners do it, you know. So I moved back to, to Boulder City, then I moved to, to Vegas. So you know, I, I recently moved to Austin or Austin, Texas earlier this year, but I've been based out of Vegas for, I'm 32 years old. I would say something like 13, 14 years of my life, I've been in Vegas or the surrounding Vegas area. So I, I you know, I'm very familiar with Vegas. The thing about it is once you, when I turned 21 and I was in Vegas, I was hitting the strip. I was going out all the time, doing all the Vegasy stuff. But then as you get a little bit older, you can live a pretty normal life in Vegas and it kind of gets a bad rap overall. If you're in some of the nicer suburb areas, they have nice new homes, you know, reasonably nice communities. I, I, there, there are some good spots in Vegas. The food's great. If you're on the 24-7 schedule, everything's open all the time, so that's great. I would say Vegas actually is a pretty pretty great place to live. And, and of course, no state income tax, which that's a pretty big factor for me and probably for a lot of people that are in their prime money-making years, you want to make sure that you're minimizing the amount of tax that you have to pay. So uh, from that perspective, Vegas is actually a, a pretty cool place to live. But yeah, if you're someone that has bad vices, 
and you just can't get away from things, you probably want to avoid living in Vegas because it'll eat you up. I mean, because, you know, I, I would go for the World Series uh, every, every summer and it'd be like there for like five, six weeks at a time. And then I always remember at the end of um, the series, you used to be like, oh, incredibly drained of energy and just uh, like super dehydrated and just like, like lifeless almost just like, man, how, and you're just like, man, how do, how do people live here? Like you're, you're around. It's just, it's, it's, it's quite like five, six weeks is already like really, really intense. Right. And, and so at that, that, that part, like, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true. But for those people that don't know, every summer, the world series of poker happens in Vegas. It's the, it's the big flagship series of poker. This year was weird. They had it in the fall, but Usually when people go and they play the whole series, the reason you're drained is that you're working 10 hours a day, man. It's not just the fact uh, that you're dehydrated and it's hot. And by the way, you can drink some water. That's allowed. <laughs> it's usually the fact that you just worked so much, right? You just put in a five, six week, really dedicated work session. So that's going to drain anyone. For sure. No doubt about it. Cool. Next, let's talk about um, kind of your path to the ventures that you've taken on as an entrepreneur, I mean, first started off with Upswing Poker and then also uh, your YouTube channel. So it'd be great to... All right, yeah. So just to start things off, I began Upswing Poker with two of my buddies, Ryan Fee and Matt Coletta, I want to say almost six years ago now was when we first formed the company. Basically, we, we wanted to take a different approach on poker training. There's been sort of a standard model for poker training for a very long time. There was a company back in the day called Card Runners. It was the first big poker training website. I'm sure you heard of it, but it was the first big one. And basically, the kind of standard in poker training was put two video, put one or two videos up every day from a random pro doing random things. And we just didn't think that, that was a great way for people to learn how to play poker. So we created a training site where the the strategy was more make things as a course. So someone when someone joins, they can start at the first video and go all the way to the end. And it's a course format. So they learn things as they go along in an order that makes sense and keep the team small and have it be good professionals. So not random guys that aren't very good teaching you things that are, you know, it's a small team of people and it's going to be in a course format so you can really learn. And, and, and it's helped a lot of people. I think that, honestly, I see it's been six years now a lot of the industry has changed and is kind of copying us. So you know you're doing something right when people start to copy your format. But you know it's been it's been interesting. It's really my first business, and it's been very successful. I think we've created a lot of value for our users, which again, it's what's all what's all about. And it's been a good experience learning about creating businesses. You know, personally speaking, like like these you know, poker training sites. Uh, like when I was first starting, I learned from uh, the site. I, I don't think it's still around. Uh, PokerXFactor.com. With like Cliff Josephy and and, and and I was like a really I mean this is back in like oh six oh seven or something like a really long time ago and I mean prior to watching any of those videos I had not really won really anything at all and then and then but it really changed my life I watched maybe like like seven eight hours of different footage of different players like doing things and then I went from not winning more than two k in a tournament I remember like the next month I had like a like a fifty k profit month and it's tournaments so that can't be variance. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely a luck box. So I mean, uh, that's good. No, it's good to know that. It's better to be lucky than than uh, than good. And that, I, from there, I that's how I actually got involved playing poker full time. Is um, I, I I quit my job as a as a you know licensed you know stockbroker and just like all right, I'm gonna be, play poker, mom and dad. <laughs> it's got to be quite quite the quite the thing to tell your parents. Yeah, for for context, I started playing in 2007. I had just turned 21, or sorry, just turned uh, 18, 2007. So I hadn't even started playing in 06 when you're talking about, so maybe a little bit before my time. 
But going back to kind of entrepreneurship, Upsing was my was my first venture sort of on the business front. But from an invest an investing standpoint, I've been always been interested in cryptocurrency and kind of been in, I was lucky enough to get in fairly early. Obviously, I wasn't one of the the, the first people in there in the 2010-2011 era, but you know, I, I stumbled across Bitcoin late 2012, early 2013. Really liked two things about it. The first thing that I liked about Bitcoin was that basically having the having control over your own money is so huge as a gambler because all the time banks will just give you a bunch of nonsense. They'll just try and make you pay fees you shouldn't have to pay. They're going to block you from transferring. They have to be open. Sometimes you have to be at the branch. I've had banks basically close my accounts and hold my money for a while. I had an incident like that at Bank of America, which was messed up, by the way, because I tried to open a brokerage at Merrill Lynch because they sent me an email, get your thousand free dollars if you put some money in this Merrill Lynch account. I said, okay, this is basically traditional. This is TradFi yield farming, essentially. I'm going to put my money into this brokerage account at Merrill Lynch. I put it in. And then a week later, they shut down every one of my accounts and banned me from the bank. What happened? <laughs> you emailed me. Anyway, that story aside, you see these things happen in traditional finance and just having control over your own money is so powerful. So that was the first thing that kind of drew me to it. That kind of combined with the fact that you can deposit the poker sites in Bitcoin, or at least it was heading that direction. You can trade in Bitcoin, that kind of stuff. And then the second thing was some of the early dice sites. So Satoshi Dice, Just Dice. I don't know if people remember Just Dice or not. We're going back in the day now. Doge Dice, all of those things. I saw these sites and I thought, oh, wow, investor bankroll where you can be the house and actually get an edge. So I invested uh, some Bitcoin into those back in the day. You know, all did great, obviously. So I was actually kind of sad, Kenny. I was looking back on it. And I was checking out some emails from I think 2014, where I was just tr- I was just sending back and forth millions of Doge, and then I, and then I see Doge prices then and now, and I'm like, hmm, oh, maybe Doge was the future after all. It was right there in front of me the whole time. <laughs> you could have been th- that billion dollar guy um, from uh, Shiba, you know, like the guy that you know plopped in <laughs> AK to become a multi. <laughs> could have been me. Sa- sadly, I did not hold any of my Doge, but <laughs> what are you gonna do? I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, uh, this is back in 2011, right? When Black Friday for for poker occurred, right? Where basically the U.S. government effectively banned online poker. And so there was already a lot of these uh, online poker sites accepting Bitcoin commercially to kind of get around the the, the friction of the, the, the banking system, right? So, and this is how basically a lot of poker players were, were really introduced early to, to to crypto and Bitcoin because of such friction. And it's been very fortunate for the poker playing community. You might not know this if you're if you're in crypto, but you, you don't know much about poker, but the poker community is incredibly involved in cryptocurrency. And a lot of the guys have just made tons of money from it because so many people got in early because they needed it for the kinds of reasons I mentioned earlier. And then also poker players just like to gamble. And they said, this is a great gamble. <laughs> I can just get some money in here and, and, and sweat, the, sweat the price of Bitcoin. So there's a lot of crossover between those two industries. And it's been kind of funny watching it over time because if you're in poker, you're going to have been exposed to so much cryptocurrency discussion that I feel like everyone in poker has to make a hard line choice. Am I kind of in or am I out? So if you talk about cryptocurrency at a poker table, you're going to have, let's say that there's eight other people there. You're going to have four guys that are, oh, I own this, I own that, I own th- I'm doing this on this side, I'm farming over here, I love this coin, <laughs> I love that coin. 
and then you're going to have four guys that say, I swear to God, if you say Ethereum right now, I'm going to fucking lose it. So you get, you get the two, the two kinds of sides there. Right. So, but the, the poker community really has as a whole really embraced the, the cryptocurrency sort of movement over the last 10 years. I mean, given if someone is playing poker for a living, there just tend to be a little bit more of a, like a renegade per se, you know, like going against the grain outside the box and, uh, I had an early intro to Bitcoin. I, I mean, I remember when, you know, first learning about it, like, like $20, $30. And I was looking at ways to, to acquire it. And I was like, oh my God, I, I wish I was... At that time, I was just too involved in playing poker that I didn't, you know, like... You know what I mean? I was just too, too kind of a tunnel vision to, to kind of think about other stuff. This is the classic, the classic thought process, though. Oh, I should have bought more. I should have held all of it, all of those kinds of things. Like, let, let me give you an example. When I look at how I've done investing in cryptocurrency. It's been great. I've done very well. But I only ever invested between, let's just say, a fourth and half my portfolio. At times, it would go outside of that range when when prices would spike wildly. But it's always kind of been in that vicinity. I, I didn't go all in because even though I had a lot of conviction in it and it was my single greatest investment, I didn't want to put myself in a spot where I've made this money from poker, I, I, I've had a good career so far, and then I risk losing everything based on one play. I didn't want to put myself kind of in that in that scenario. So I kind of always made, basically when markets would rally, I would sell. And when markets would dip, I would buy. And I just kind of always kept that same rough percentage. But you know, I had friends that put you know 100% in. They just said, YOLO, I'm just shipping it in on this, right? <laughs> YOLO, <laughs> all in pre. <laughs> and I mean, those guys did awesome. Everyone that shipped it in on you know Bitcoin, or Ethereum, or the main the main coins. Those guys did awesome. So, you know, you you can always look back and say, "Oh, I wish I had just learned more, invested more, all that kind of stuff." But you're gonna say that no matter what. If you'd put half your net worth in, you would, and let's just say you had four hundred million dollars today, which I'm not saying you don't, Kenny, but let's just say you did. You might say, "Oh man, if I'd only put it all in, I would have eight hundred million or whatever it is." Right. So you could always beat yourself up no matter how much you ended up putting in and when you entered. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Let's talk about lastly the, the the CoinFlex and the brand ambassadorship and why you know you've shown chose CoinFlex for sure. So a couple things here. First off, I just kind of want to talk about the people and really it's important that I like the team and I like the sort of the values that the team has and just all of my interactions with everyone at CoinFlex have been awesome. Everyone's so so nice, helping explain things to me. I am not a trader, so some of the trading mechanics I'm I'm trying to understand fully myself at times, right? But everyone has just been really, really thoughtful and 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 kind, and I can tell that they're good people. And I think that's the first thing. You, one of the problems and one of the reasons why I've never teamed up with any company in the past or joined a company, I should say, is I, I've always been worried that they're going to you know potentially make me look bad, right? Like what if what if they start doing things that hurt users or the, the users of their platform or you know, are sketchy or reflect badly on you. And so I kind of never really wanted to have that sort of liability, especially especially in the in the gambling space where a lot of companies do shitty things to their customers. I mean, like the best example is PokerStars is the biggest poker site online. And for a long time they were the the golden guys in in, in poker. And they got bought out by a different company and then they started sort of attacking their their regulars. And before you knew it, their name in the industry sucked. They, they were everyone made fun of them for how bad they were to their customers. So, when you're looking at the team of people that you want to join, you want to make sure that you're you're joining up with with people that you believe have really good intentions and that you can trust to make good decisions. So, you know, having met Mark, having met you, 
having met Sudhu, having uh, met Leslie, you know, Charlie, all the people are great. They're all, they're all great humans. I, I'm happy to be involved with them. And the poker crossover, I think, is cool too. Obviously, you ran deep in the main one year and you used to play poker professionally. So you know, seeing that, that was great as well. This is the most random thing that I still can't believe happened. But Charlie, one of the other guys at CoinFlex. So earlier this year, I did a high-profile challenge with Dan Negreanu where we played a one-on-one heads-up poker match. And in the upswing group, uh, Facebook group, I said, hey guys, I need help with this. I need statistics on Negreanu because the site that we're playing on, it doesn't have hand histories. So you had to manually track things, which was totally legal. We agreed that we could do it. So I messaged my my upswing group chat or the Facebook chat and I went to was like, I'll help Doug, I got this. And I said, okay, everyone, let's, let's go. So I started a, a group chat and we had 20 guys in there and and the stuff that they had to follow the action and, and basically take a note that it happened in order to get <laughs> these frequencies. And we called ourselves the convoy because the joke during the challenge was, I'm going to back up the fucking truck. And so that we were all truckers. And so we had a little trucker. Uh, there was an avatar in the group and there was a bunch of trucks in the line. It was, it was actually quite cute. And we were called the convoy. We were the, they were all helping me, you know, with the, with the trucking that needed to be done. And then Charlie says, Oh, I was in the convoy. I was like, what? How are you in the convoy? There was not that many people there. And, and that crossover is incredible. I mean, obviously Charlie helped a bunch with different stats from the challenge. So that, that was really cool to see. So, I mean, what a small world, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah, extremely, extremely small world. And then, and then of course, everyone's had great things to say about the CoinFlex team. All the people I talked to asked their opinions on, Everyone had great things to say about CoinFlex, uh, Mark Lamb, just good things. And when you see that from, you know, everyone you talk to has good things to say, you know, these are good people. And so that was the first thing was the team. And then the second thing was it had to be, it had to be sort of a company that was looking to offer products that I thought made sense and actually created value. And, and that's, that's the real most important part of this, which is if you like the people, but they're not creating things that actually make sense and add value, then it's not a company you want to be involved in. But when I looked at some of the stuff that you guys are doing, and, and I think like one of the most simple examples is FlexUSD, where people actually get paid, you basically get paid dollars to have the stablecoin. That's such a simple, great concept that should have become the standard years ago, in my opinion. You compare holding FlexUSD to holding USDT, the biggest stablecoin. Well, if you hold USDT, you get paid $0. Do you know how many times I'm doing a trade with someone or I'm talking with someone and they say, oh yeah, I just have USDT in this one wallet here. This one. That account could have been making money that entire time. And with FlexUSD, that happens. You automatically make money from just having the FlexUSD. So I think that concepts like that are good for people. They help people. And CoinFlex is working on a lot of different things right now. So it's an exciting time and I'm excited for where this is going to go and, and the products that CoinFlex both offers and is going to offer. Really appreciate that. And you know, we're, we're a young company, right? We, we just started in uh, 2019, right? And we, we've definitely come a long way since then. And definitely when we first started, we we're the first physically delivered futures exchange, right? And, and a lot of that, that mission purpose is really to, to do things the right way from the beginning. There's a lot of you know, market manipulation. For, first, like different exchanges having cash settled futures, right? And going that route of, of doing things the right way. And then certainly with the yield products we have, such as FlexUSD and our AMM Plus, is really just about enabling you know, everyday people to, to capture such yields. And, and, and certainly FlexUSD being the easiest where, where you, like you said, you just need to, to, to have it and, and it earns yield. I mean, it's like generated roughly about 15% market neutral. Right. And which is really incredible. I mean, like compared to what other uh, exists outside of crypto, I mean, you really just can't 
compare that to traditional finance, right? I got an email from my bank the other day and it said, Doug, your savings account now offers 0.1% interest this year on money in your savings account. Oh, oh thank you, Chase. I'm or Citibank or whoever it was that sent me that email. I'm I'm looking forward to those sweet, sweet 0.1% yields. I'll definitely be parking all my cash there from now. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's crazy. And and it's also because of kind of the friction of uh, you know getting money into crypto that the, the yields on stable coins are are so high. So um you know, like professional trading firms, they they will borrow at you know seven, eight, nine percent, no questions asked, knowing that there, there's you know so much opportunity in crypto. Absolutely, I, I think it's interesting the different products that people have opportunity to invest in as well, right? Because one of the things that I hear all the time, in fact, I got dinner with some friends last night, and there were some new people I hadn't met before, a little, little bit older crowd. And they're talking about cryptocurrency and they think, oh, well, I, or they said, I, I just missed the boat. It's too late for me. And let's just, let's just live in that world for a moment, right? Let's just, let's just think that maybe they missed the boat. Cryptocurrency assets aren't going to increase. Let's just say that this is it. This is the all time top, all time top. Not the case, but let's just live in that reality for a moment. Well, you can still make money farming cryptocurrency assets and Basically, through stable coins, you could have no exposure to the volatility of Bitcoin and Ethereum and, and whatever other assets you want to have the that would have volatility. You can just mitigate all of that by owning stable coins and still make you know fifteen percent a year or whatever you can make depending on the market is that day. That's such a valuable concept that I think that normal people just don't even realize exists. And I, and I think part of the the mission of people I think within cryptocurrency should be to get that out to a wider audience that those kinds of opportunities do exist and people should be taking advantage of them. And even though on one hand, it'll lower the yields that you get, right? Because typically speaking, the more users you have farming yields, the less, the lower the yield rate will be. At the same time, you also then onboard a lot more capital into cryptocurrency that ultimately can be used to purchase assets, so digital assets. So I think that if you're someone that's a long-term believer in cryptocurrency, you're a long-term believer in yeah, just cryptocurrency in general, you should be extremely happy. Even if you don't like DeFi or you're not involved in DeFi, you should still be extremely happy that this is happening and it's only going to act as a future onboard for for future capital. For sure. I mean, I, th- I think it's still definitely incredibly early. And certainly for us as a, as a company, yeah, we saw, I mean, you, you may have saw the, the news um, yesterday that we posted regarding Bitcoin.com. Yeah, big news. It's funny, I was talking about this with Mark a little bit and the word partnership almost feels a little bit light because of how how much the word partnership gets thrown around in crypto. Everything's a partnership, yeah. right? <laughs> you, you use Microsoft Excel one day. Oh, big Microsoft partnership we just had, guys. No, but this this is huge for, for CoinFlex. Obviously, Bitcoin.com is one of the biggest, you know, in terms of traffic and, and number of, of wallets, one of the largest exchanges. I don't know the exact exchange rankings, so I don't want to say that. I don't know the exact ranking, but they're a very, they're a very large exchange, so... It's a big partnership there for sure. And it seems good for both parties. I, I think that there's a lot of value there to be had. Yeah, incredible. I mean, for one, I mean, just, you know, the the, the brand name and like the the URL, right? Bitcoin.com. And then just, you know, showing up on the first page when you Google search Bitcoin is on there. It's so much traffic. They have over 25 million plus wallets. And so certainly when, when, you, when you go on uh, exchange.bitcoin.com, now that all flows to CoinFlex. And so... Certainly, such an incredible opportunity for for both companies, and we're really quite excited to really grow in such a r- rapid way. Yeah, yeah, it's an, an exciting partnership. I think it's a lot, a lot of cool opportunities, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. 
I'd like to circle back to the Daniel Negreanu challenge. I was able to uh, watch one of your latest videos. I thought it was just so so funny. The the last rant on uh, luckiest man alive. Uh, like some of those hands, um, like the the Ace Ten Ten, three bet pot. Just to preface this for for some listeners, I did a high profile heads up challenge with Daniel Negreanu. I mentioned a bit earlier in in the podcast, but. Basically, we had a very long match where we played one-on-one heads-up no-limit hold'em over the course of several months in a highly publicized challenge. And then at the end of each session, we would do post-game interviews. So he would do his post-game interview, I would do my post-game interview. And in a lot of his post-game interviews, he would complain that Doug is just too lucky and he's getting lucky all the time. And then in this one post-game interview that I did, I, I mainly kept things very professional. But this one, I just got... Completely fed up of all of this nonsense about luck. And I just went on just a pretty epic tirade about how how lucky I am. And and then I brought up a bunch of hands. And of course, a lot of the hands that I brought up that were big that I lost, I was not lucky in them. But I was joking about how lucky I was. It was a very funny moment. It was quite quite the rant. I was actually watching that the other day for the first time in, in months. I almost even forgot that it happened. I was watching it. I was like, "Whoa!" <laughs> like that's like a, you're like a all out. Like a bit, like I mean, like I said that. I particularly thought it was funny that um, you know we played two thousand hands and like we're no stacking two thousand hands ace, and then and the, the hand was ace again. It was a three bet pot, you know, three bet pot, and it was like ace ten ten, and then you floated with a pair of threes, and then turn came a three. Of course, you know you're, you're the luckiest person alive. I mean, what can I say? But I thought it was amazing. Like he. You're basically kind of saying he doesn't he doesn't take that line that much, so he doesn't triple barrel like almost ever. But but then it's like heads up, like of course, like uh, <laughs> yeah, it was a scary line. He went bet bet jam on me, and I had a full house, and obviously called and, and lost. But you know, it, it was pretty lucky when you think about it, Kenny. Yeah, <laughs> kind of imagining that. I I mean, maybe just from my, my perspective, while he, um, if you're saying he doesn't take that line too much, then maybe he's quite passive actually, like because because if I mean. I'm not saying I'm, I, I, I don't, I, don't, I play a little bit heads up, but then I like to bet, 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 <laughs> bet, bet, jam. Like that's like within 2000 hands, I'm, I'm doing that a lot. <laughs> like, yeah, it should be a pretty common line. I think you're supposed to get stacked every few hundred hands in, in heads up no limit, but I'm, I'm not t- entirely sure what the exact number is. Going back to talking about Coinflex though for a moment here, what are you excited on that we've got coming up? I'm particularly excited just again with, with all these new, new partnerships, Bitcoin.com certainly, and aligning with someone like yourself, right? You know, we've gone from really at this very moment, we're not a huge user base. You know, we have, uh, let's say, tens of thousands of, of, of users at, at this very moment, right? And but the users that we have are very hardcore and, and very loyal, and they just just love CoinFlex because of um, all the great products and, and 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 just also we're all we're very accessible, you know, to to everyone. And so I, I think people can generally feel kind of our, our heart when we're um, like us a lot for that. And so I can see with all the things happening, we're, we're, we're going to be incredibly more well-known. I mean, we're going to you know have ultimately millions of users and, and, and our exposure is going to be more on a mainstream level. And certainly really, that's where I really appreciate working with someone like yourself, where you know, again, naturally poker players, uh, there's a you know big crossover, right? With poker players and crypto. And so this huge opportunity. Yep. I think launching the the Flex DAO uh, staking program was going to be extremely important as well. I'm not sure what the exact date is, or if that's even public at this point. But you know that's going to be a, a big step as well for CoinFlex to to offer yields for people. So you know, and and really, and governance is an important aspect of it as well. 
for sure. And so that's projected to be in a few weeks' time. You know, certainly we're trying to make sure that all the uh, things are in place in a you know, high level of uh, security and detail, just because, especially with the DAO, the lockups are anywhere between two weeks to four years, right? And so when you're talking about four years, you know, we you got to triple check, to like, like make sure everything is um is working properly. Yeah. I remember when I saw my first, or I saw a four-year vest for the first time on Curve, and I just thought, man, I, that just that's an incredibly long period of time to have your to have your money locked up. So yeah, you want to make sure that those those contracts are are deployed correctly and you know it's done right. So you're right. Such a uh, for for Flexcoin holders and investors, that's a credible opportunity to be able to you know basically get a piece of the CoinFlex business right in terms of. Uh, you know, profits and revenue and, and, and really have a, a real solid stake. And so that, that part's incredible. Yeah. I also like that, that CoinFlex is really committed to, to basically taking money that is made and turning that into essentially value for users through, you know, through burning tokens or paying out essentially Flex to the FlexDAO stakers and enabling them to you know, essentially partake in the profit from CoinFlex. I, I think that's a cool concept. And I think a lot of the CoinFlex tokenomics have been well thought out to to increase the value of Flex and make it an attractive opportunity for people. So um, I can tell that you know CoinFlex has put a lot of thought into that, and and a lot of the ideas are, are are quite good. And you're starting to see certainly kind of the price action of Flex as well. There's definitely a correlation between kind of the stuff that we're doing in terms of uh, and naturally, certainly when, when our volumes are, are, are rising and there's a lot more activity, like just the, there's, there's so much more tension to, to actually flex coin itself. And so it's always tend to do really well when, like say, you know, about a week ago, we had all-time val- high volume uh, by 1.5 billion through the AMMs. And then certainly you know, people just naturally very excited about uh, the, the happenings and the potential, right? And it just, and then we're so early again, we're, we're, we're this is where I, I, c- I can say, Obviously, do your own research, not financial advice, but it no be no yeah, no different than when um, a fellow competitor exchange, you know, the, the, the BNP token was like six seven dollars, and and um, I think we're kind of at the same stage of where we can really really conquer the world. <laughs> An unknown competitor using the BNB token could be anyone. We don't we don't really know at this point. I don't know. It's funny you mentioned um, BNB. I, I saw I saw on Twitter the other day. Binance Exchange follows me, and the only follow. Like four hundred people, and I just thought, why? Why are they following me? Like, what happened? Here? I, I don't. I don't have a Binance account. I don't use Binance. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I don't understand why. <laughs> what's going on here? Yeah, I mean, so when it comes to price stuff, I, I look like I think that as long as you're transparent about essentially what your position is and what your thoughts are, I think that everything is good. I think when you start to get into price target territory, I think that's where you cross this line that becomes just too shilly. And think, you know. Realistically, look, good assets will increase in value over time. So, just give your explanation as to why you think that that's likely to happen, and avoid being like, "I think it's going to hit this dollar target." Because the reality is, no one has any idea what what dollar targets that you're going to hit. Right? There's just there's just simply no way to know. So, over time, we'll find out. And, and I also just want to say, so I've been I've been reading up on my my CoinFlex my CoinFlex stuff, but I still have a little ways to go. I just got back from my wedding, my honeymoon. We just announced this partnership, so I, I got to dive into the weeds a little bit and get more comfortable with all the terms and everything that's being offered because I want to be able to do a good job of having thorough conversation about everything. But you know, there's a lot going on at CoinFlex. It's it, it's a lot to unpack in a, in a short window. It's been crazy, right? I mean, uh, even just you know, every day there there there's something new and you know, really. Uh, appreciate you, you know, joining our team, being our, our first global brand ambassador. You know, we're so excited and so proud and 
Uh, we're all in. <laughs> wow. You had that in the bag, huh? <laughs> we're all in, Doug. We're all in. Very nice. The big chip reveal. Yeah, thank, thanks for hopping on. And uh, Life on Leverage, L-O-L. Whoa. Yeah, whoa. <laughs> thanks, Doug. <laughs>